Morning. Thanks, Chad, for leading us. I usually say Chad and team, but no team today. Just Chad. Thanks. Sometimes. Today we're going to be talking about a little bit about wisdom. Wisdom. We need wisdom, right, to live this life. And this slide here, slide, right? Doesn't that slide portray, maybe this is familiar to you, not this particular slide, but this concept of the show. I I chose this. There were a number of images. This guy here looks a lot like my brother-in-law, whose name is James, right? So I thought it was foreordained by God that I would use this slide. This is how our culture often represents the battle that goes on inside our mind as we seek to make a, a decision, some kind of decision. On the, on the one side, we're tempted by the devil to do what is wrong. And on the other, we're encouraged by an angel, a messenger of God, to do what is right. And while the picture isn't quite right, this isn't quite theologically accurate. The devil isn't red with horns and a pitchfork. And angels probably don't wear white robes and have halos. But as we'll see this morning, there's there's some truth here. There's some truth to be found in in this concept. There is a wisdom, a way of thinking that comes from the enemy, that comes from Satan. And there's a a wisdom that comes from God. And as Shad pointed out, this wisdom comes not just from God, but it comes from knowing God. God. In our passage today, James is going to distinguish between these two kinds of wisdoms. And he's going to help us understand that that genuine faith, what James has been talking about, faith, faith that acts, this faith receives wisdom, and that wisdom is from God. We've established, I think, over the, our number of weeks, this is week seven, we're going to, I think week 11, I said 10 weeks, I lied, it's going to be, I think, 11 weeks in the book of James. We've established that James' main point of his letter as he sent it out is that real, genuine faith produces works, good deeds. If you have faith, it will be seen in the way you live. If you have genuine faith, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if He's entered in and transformed your life, there will be works. God created works for you to walk in, as Paul says. You will live what you believe. And living what you believe takes wisdom from God. It's not, he doesn't, God, when he calls you into this life, he doesn't just switch your programming. He calls you into relationship with him. And in that relationship, he gives you wisdom. Last week, Philip helped us see that our faith affects our speech, right? Your faith will come through in the way, in what you say, in what you teach, how you speak to others. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, as Philip pointed out, we really had an expansion on what James had, had said earlier in chapter 1, verse 26. He, 26. he said, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, This person's religion is worthless. Your religion, your faith, 
is seen in your ability to control your tongue. If you can't control your tongue, your religion, your faith is worthless, put simply. Now, in verses 13 through 18, James, again, is, he's going back. He's, he's taking a, something he's mentioned before, and now he's going to expand on it. In chapter 1, verse 5, he wrote, If anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without repro- reproach, and it will be given to him. If we lack wisdom, we don't understand how to deal with the situation. If we don't understand what's going on, if we don't understand what God wants us to do, Scripture says we can ask. And if we ask in faith, that's verse 6, it's not in your notes, but verse 6 of of James chapter 1 says you, you have to ask in faith without doubting. If we ask in faith, then he will give us his wisdom. Wisdom from God, understanding from God. Wisdom is just the ability to know what to do, to know the decision that God would have you make. And now in chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, where we are today, James helps us understand that wis- what wisdom from God looks like. We have wisdom from God. What is that going to look like in our life? How's it going to help us? How's it going to change us? What are we going to be like? And the first thing that we see is that wisdom, like faith, is active. It's active. For James, wisdom isn't just something that's going on in your head. It's not just intellectual. It's behavioral. It will come out in your life. It's not just something that you think about. It's something you do. Now, when we picture wisdom, you just think about a picture of wisdom. Close your eye. No, you don't have to. Think about just a picture. We often think of, you know, the, the judge behind the throne, hearing the cases and wisely deciding. Or we think of Solomon, Proverbs, the author of Proverbs, the wisest man ever, ever on his throne and, and making decisions, hearing cases, making wise decisions. And that's certainly part of wisdom. But for James, wisdom not only makes wise decisions, but wisdom comes down from behind the bench. It steps down into real life. Comes down, gets off the throne, and begins to take action. For James, wisdom is not passive. It's active. Wisdom works. Wisdom works. Who is wise, verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? You know, James, if you haven't noticed in our study, he loves to ask these questions. He begins by asking, who among you is wise? Who understands what's going on? Who knows what's happening? Basically, he's setting the stage. He's really asking, who thinks they're wise? Who thinks they're wise? If, if someone were to say, do you think you, you have wisdom? Do you think you're a wise person? Who thinks they understand what's going on and, and what to do about it? Not just what is able to understand what the problem is, but who understands what the solution to the problem is? Well, if that's the case, James says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in in the meekness of wisdom. If you say you're wise, then it will be seen in your good conduct. It will be seen in the way you live your life. It will be seen in your works. It's active. And you know, that, that just makes sense, doesn't it? If you think about it, suppose you're faced with a difficult decision. Maybe you need to know 
if God wants you to engage in a certain type of ministry, God, is this what, where you want me to spend my time, my energy, my resources? Should I, should I help out with the international students? Should I go on this Spain trip that they're talking about? Should I help with body life here in, within, the, within the church? Should I, should I teach Sunday school to our kids? Should I help lead a home group? Should I be involved at the worship team? These are just some practical examples. And you need wisdom. God, where, where, do, where do, you want me to, what do you want me to do? Now suppose you, you went before God and you asked him, God, where do you want me to spend my time and my energy? These are all good things. What do you want me to pursue? And God graciously answers your prayer. He gives you clear direction. Maybe it's encouragement from a friend. Maybe it's just something in your heart you know you should be about. It becomes clear to you. Let's say God wants you to be part of our team that's going, going to Spain next year. Just an example. Now suppose, well, thanks for the wisdom, God. Thanks for letting me know that's what you want me to do. But you don't sign up. You don't join the team. You don't go to Spain. James would say your, your wisdom, your understanding that you received is, is worthless. It's nothing. Like, like wisdom, like faith without works, without acting upon it, is worthless. Our wisdom must be active. We must take action on it. Then notice that James says about that good conduct, that action that, that comes from wisdom. He says, these works will be shown in the meekness of wisdom. That's our second point this morning. Wisdom is humble or meek. We're more familiar with the word humble. They're sort of interchangeable. Different translations, as we'll see, uh, of the Bible. Some use meek, some use humble. What does it mean? Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. I think the NIV, that's the ESV, the NIV can help us. It says in verse 13 of chapter 3, let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility, humility that comes from wisdom. For James, wisdom will be seen in deeds, in works, in behavior. And those deeds, those works, that behavior will be done in humility. They'll be done in meekness. And in reality, that too just makes sense. You know, this wisdom from God makes sense. That makes sense, doesn't it? If it's from God, it's going to make sense. Doesn't it make sense that wisdom, right thinking, thinking from God himself, is going to lead us to humility? To humility. Just think about it. We, every single one of us, we're sinful creatures. We're deserving of nothing but God's wrath and God's judgment. That's what we've earned. But God. But God. My two favorite words. But God. God in his love and his grace and his mercy. He saved us. He saved us from wrath. He saved us from judgment. In Jesus Christ we're saved from those things. And more than, more than saving us from those things. He saved us to eternal life. Eternal life in his presence. He gave us himself. We did nothing to deserve it. But our eternal destiny, 
is secure because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, if that doesn't humble you, I mean, there's nothing that you did to earn this, but you got everything in Christ Jesus. If that doesn't humble you, then nothing will. You're, you're hopeless. You're a hopeless case in the area of humility. If that doesn't say to you, okay, through nothing in me, I've been given everything in Christ, therefore the, the smartest, the wisest, best thing I can do with my life is to give it over to Him. To give it completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. And to allow Him to use me to extend love and grace and mercy. That love and grace and mercy that He gave me, allow me to extend it to others in my life. Whether they deserve it or not, because we certainly did not deserve the love and grace and mercy of God. That's the meekness of wisdom. Or the wisdom of meekness. And just so we understand, meekness or humility is not weakness. It's not cowardice. It's not passivity. It's not inactive. Meekness is clear understanding of who you are in Jesus Christ and how you became who you are in Jesus Christ. Humility understands that it's because of Christ that you are who you are. Therefore, humility always trusts God. Humility always gives glory to God. Humility sets us free. You know, humility, we think, you know, oftentimes in our world, humility is seen as a, as a bad thing. But humility sets us free from the need to promote ourselves, from our own selfish agendas. It frees us to serve God with all of our hearts. So when we wise up to the fact that that all we have and all we are is because of Christ, then we're able in humility to give generously, sacrificially, actively to others. You know, the Apostle Paul understood this well. The church in Corinth, you study the Bible, you know the church in Corinth had a a number of issues, a number of problems. People were claiming their rights. People were weren't being loving and gracious and merciful to one another. They were, they were out for themselves. They were out to get the best that they could. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, For consider your calling. He's speaking to the church, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. Think about who you were before Christ. You were not much at all. Think about who you were without Christ. And then in verse 27, he uses my two favorite words, but God. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. But God... But God chose. He chose the foolish, the weak, the lowly, the despised, the nothings of this world. And in case you didn't know, that's you and me. That's you and I, that he chose the weak and the lowly, the despised, the nothings. He chose us to shame the wise. 
really the wise in their own eyes, the wise, the strong, the somethings of the world. Why? Verse 29, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You and I were chosen by God, not so that we might be exalted, but so we might receive all the glory and honor and praise so that he, excuse me, so that he might receive all the glory and honor and praise do his name. And when we understand that and, when, and we live for his glory and not for our own, we're living in that wisdom of meekness. Paul mentioned the wisdom of the world in verse 27. Us foolish people will shame the wise, the wise in the world's eyes. And how do we do that? Verse 30. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Because of God, we are in Christ Jesus. Our salvation is not because of of something we have done. It's because of God. And because we are in Christ Jesus, we, we now have the opportunity to have wisdom from God. And that wisdom leads us to righteousness, to sanctification and redemption. If we're in Christ Jesus, then we've been empowered with godly wisdom. Wisdom to live a life filled with righteousness Doing the right thing before God. Sanctification. Growing in holiness before God. And redemption. Transformation. We've been transformed, redeemed. Christ has redeemed us from our sins. Bought us back. Redeemed just means to buy you back. We belong to the world. We belong to the things of this world. But Christ bought us back. With his blood. We belong to him alone. We're not our own, Paul says. We're bought with a price. When we understand that and when we live like that, that is the meekness of wisdom. We no longer live for ourselves, we live for Christ. And that's just wisdom to live for Christ. And James makes that very clear in the rest of this passage. We've dealt with one verse a little. Drawn out, we're going to go a little faster here with the, with the rest of the passage. He gives us two pictures of wisdom. Two pictures of wisdom. Two kinds of wisdom that come from two entirely opposite sources. Kind of like that picture we saw at the beginning. There's wisdom coming from two different sources. He begins with the, the negative wisdom. And, that, and that's, we've titled that worldly wisdom. This is the wisdom that Paul referred to in 1 Corinthians 1.27. This is the wisdom that will be shamed by the wisdom of God. James describes this wisdom in verses 14 through 16 of chapter 3. Verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. So James zeroes right in on, on the heart. He says, what's in your heart? Do you hold on to bitter jealousy? Do you remember the wrongs that people have done to you? Do you hold on to them and, and allow them to fester into your, in your soul? Are you jealous of those around you? Are you always comparing yourself to the person on the right, the person on the left, 
asking the question, am I better or am I worse than the next guy? Is it a comparison game for you? Is your heart full of selfish ambition? Are you only concerned for your own good and your own position, your own promotion? Are you full of pride and do you long to boast about your accomplishments? Is life a a competition where you're always trying to be the winner? This is the wisdom of the world. This is how the world encourages you to to think and act. And James says it's false. It's wrong. This is not who you were created to be. When you say, I on my own did this. I did it. I did it my way. It's all about me. It's false. The truth is that anything you accomplish in this life, anything that's worth anything, is because God allows it. Without Jesus Christ, the very air that we breathe would not exist. We would not exist. He made you. He gave you life. And He gives you life on a daily basis. He gave you your mind and your will. And He alone deserves the glory and the honor for any good thing that comes through you. This is the the meekness of wisdom. But this is not the wisdom of the world. Notice that the wisdom of the world measures everything by how it affects you. The world's wisdom is, what's best for me? What's in it for me? How can I best advance myself, promote myself, exalt myself? This way of thinking is is so natural to us. It's just what we do, isn't it? We go out and and the first thing, how can I get the best out of this? How can I get the best deal? How can I have people think I'm the best? It's so natural, it's subconscious even. And this was the whole thing that James has been talking about. When he, when he talked about favoritism in the church and ignoring the poor, it was all self-centered. Self-centered ambition. It was thinking, the poor, what do they have to offer me? They, I, I can get nothing from the poor. So they can just sit at my feet. The rich, okay, they, 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 can, they can give me some advantage. There's something there for me, the rich. So they can sit at the head of the table. Isn't this the core conflict in our relationships? In marriage, thinking, what's best for me? What's in it for me? In relationships with friends and family, asking, what's best for me? And the context of the church, asking, what's best for me? Self-centered ambition. Unfortunately, this is, seems to be, at least now, the core of the American dream. Promote yourself. Advance yourself. Put yourself forward. But the gospel of Jesus Christ says... The meekness of wisdom says, deny yourself. It's crazy talk. It's so contrary to what the world says. This wisdom of selfish ambition that comes from the world. And then James takes it up a notch. This worldly wisdom is not just a product of bad upbringing. It's not just part of our American culture. It's worse than that. Referring to verse 14, what we just read, James says this, this bitter jealousy, this selfish 
ambition and this pride is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. James gives a a progression here from bad to worse. Worldly wisdom is earthly. It comes from our, our own self. It comes from the world, the flesh. It's unspiritual. It doesn't come from God. It has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit that is supposed to be dwelling within us. In fact, it's demonic. It's demonic. At its root, at its heart, it's demonic. I hope we get the warning here. This is a warning, a big warning. There is a wisdom that comes from the pit of hell. The world, the flesh, and the devil are working against us, and they're giving us their wisdom Our picture this morning, this slide that we had at the beginning, is not far from the truth. The devil is there with his wisdom offering it to us. There's a wisdom that is common in this world. And it comes straight from Satan himself. And the danger is that we can think we're wise because the world says we're wise. They tell us we're wise. When in reality, this wisdom, this way of thinking is from Satan himself. Now that, now that, I hope that's scary to you. I hope that's scary to you. You know, we talk about things being demonic, and this is Halloween time, right? And all around, and you go around in people's houses. You know, I was at my, I was somewhere the other day, I looked across and there's this really, can't put it in, demonic looking thing there. And I go, oh, my mind says, that's demonic, Right? That's right in front of us, right? But, you know, the scripture doesn't really describe anything about Halloween decorations as being demonic. I'm not saying they are or aren't. But it says, selfish ambition is demonic. It comes from the pit of hell. So I'm okay with, we're against these demonic-looking Halloween decorations, but we need to be more against this selfish ambition because it's clearly from the pit of hell, and that's, that should scare us. It should cause us to evaluate the way we think, to ask the question, why am I doing what I'm doing? Where are the voices I'm listening to coming from? Am I acting basing on, based on selfish ambition, on bitter jealousy and pride? Am I basing my life on this worldly wisdom? And if the answer is yes, then, then we have reason to fear. Because the results of this demonic worldly wisdom are are devastating. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Jealousy and selfish ambition are, are the hallmarks of worldly wisdom. Thinking about yourself first and foremost is what Satan wants you to do. And the result, James says, will be disorder and every vile practice. If everyone thinks of themselves first, then disorder will follow. Chaos. If everyone seeks only their own self-fulfillment, then every vile, sinful, evil practice will follow. It's about me. It's about my needs and my wants. Ignoring God and what he says is, is best for you. You fall into vile, evil, sinful practices. For It's selfish ambition, not Halloween decorations, that result in the destruction of friendships and homes and marriages. 
It's not getting what you want. It's saying, I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going to destroy everything you have. How often have you heard, if I can't have it, then no one will. This kind of wisdom produces anger and bitterness, resentment, strife, divorce, conflict. All of this comes from the world, from Satan's wisdom. But James says, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. There's another way. There's another better wisdom. And that's heavenly wisdom. Wisdom from above. That's what he talks about. Back to James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. There's a wisdom that can't be found in this world. There's a wisdom that it's not natural. It's not how we're programmed to think. There's a wisdom that can't be found in, in intellectual knowledge. It can't be found in practical experience. There's a wisdom that can only be found when you fall on your face before God, calling out to Him, calling out to Him for wisdom. It's a totally different way to think. And it can't be manufactured by man. It's from God and from God alone. James describes this wisdom in verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Think about what James is saying here. Think about how totally different, how polar opposite this wisdom that that comes from God is from what we've just talked about. Listen carefully to the description James gives to wisdom from above. He, He mentions eight specific things about wisdom from above. And as we look at these eight things, I want you to notice just how different they are from the world's wisdom, from this natural wisdom that comes from the pit of hell. The contrast is really overwhelming. And I want you to notice that seven out of eight of these, and we'll point out the one that's a little different, seven out of eight of these characteristics describe the character of God himself. The character of God himself. So, to put simply, to get wisdom from God, you have to know God. To be in relationship with God. And you have to call upon God. And he'll give you this kind of wisdom. First James says, heavenly wisdom is, is pure. It's pure. There's a moral purity, a cleanness that comes from the wisdom of God. There's no questioning. Is this right or is this wrong it's pure it does what is right before God it follows the truth of God's word it trusts and obeys the Lord it's a it's a doer of the word not a hearer only so when you have a decision to make you need to ask yourself is this what God would want me to do is this what I mean how often would we be saved from from making stupid unwise mistakes, if we would just stop and say, you know, is this what God would want me to do, really? Is this hold up to God's word, or is this in contrast to God's word? Is this for God, or is this just part of my plan? 
And we know the answer to that. We spend time in His Word. It's, it's clear. Wisdom, heavenly wisdom, is, is first pure. And second, it's peaceable. Peaceable. This simply means that wisdom from God, it loves peace. It's driven by a desire to see unity, not division. It will sacrifice its own rights, its own way of doing things, its own ambition for the good of others. When you have a decision to make, you need to ask yourself, will this decision bring peace? Or will it bring division? Will it bring unity in the body of Christ, in my life? Peaceable. Third, heavenly wisdom is is gentle. It's gentle with other people. It's not harsh. It's patient. It listens. It's mild. It, It cares for others. It controls its tongue. You can see why James, these things come together in James. It doesn't speak harshly of others. When you have a decision to make, you can ask yourself, who am I thinking about? Will this harm someone else? Is this good for others or is this just for me? Am I only considering myself in this decision? Am I being gentle with those around me? Fourth, Heavenly wisdom is, is open to reason. And this one's a little different. The others and before and after certainly apply to God. God is gentle. He's pure and he's peaceable. But God may not be open to reason. We need to be open to reason. Because being open to reason, God is certainly approachable. But God knowing all God knows all. He's omnipotent. He doesn't need to be open to reason. But for us, we need to be ready to see others' point of view. We need to be willing to admit when we're wrong. God doesn't ever have to do that. When we have a decision to make, we need to ask ourselves, have I considered all the, all the angles? Have I, have I heard from others that may differ from me? Do I value others' opinions? Do I value those others who know Christ? Do I value their opinions? Heavenly wisdom is is open to reason. And fifth, heavenly wisdom is is full of mercy. Now we're back to characteristics that fully describes God who's full of mercy. Mercy is the ability to withhold negative actions or consequences even when when they're deserved. Therefore, wisdom from God is is compassionate. It's kind. it's concern for others and, and gives to those in need. It cares for widows and orphans. When you have a decision to make, ask yourself, am I being merciful? Does my decision bring about compassion? Does it meet the needs of others or is it just to benefit myself? Sixth, heavenly wisdom is, is full of good fruits. Fruits refers to to what is produced by your life. What's the outflow of your life? A life lived based on the wisdom of God is is full of good fruit. People will see what you do and know that it comes from God himself. So when you have a decision to make, ask yourself, what will the fruit of this decision be? What will the result be? And will that result bring glory to God or glory to me? Seventh, wisdom from above is impartial. It doesn't show favoritism. It doesn't favor the rich over the poor. 
It isn't swayed by self-interest, but it's concerned about the interests of others. When you have a decision to make, ask yourself, what personal prejudices is affecting this decision? Am I doing this for my own good or for the good of others? And finally, eight, heavenly wisdom is sincere. It's without hypocrisy. The NIV puts it, without hypocrisy. And this really rounds it out. In all the decisions you make, you have to ask yourself, is this a reflection of my heart? What are my motives in this decision? And even if the decision, even if the action flowing from the decision will benefit others, you have to ask yourself, why am I doing it? Am I doing it to be seen by men or am I doing it to bring glory to God? As we've went through these eight, and as I hope you you remember the, the wisdom from the world, the wisdom from above, the wisdom from below, I hope you see that the major contrast between this worldly and, and heavenly wisdom. Worldly wisdom is all about promotion of self, while heavenly wisdom is about God and others. Worldly wisdom results in disorder and vile, sinful practices. Heavenly wisdom results in righteousness and peace. After describing heavenly wisdom in verse 17, James says in verse 18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James likes peace. Wisdom from above brings a harvest of righteousness. And that harvest is sown by peacemakers. The right right things will be done. And peacemakers are those who aren't looking out for their own interests, but for the interests of others. They're seeking to bring unity. When we are, as a peacemaker, ask for and receive and act upon the wisdom from God, the result will be righteousness. Righteousness. Right things will take place. When a husband and a wife, when a friend, when a church, when we come before God and we say, we need the wisdom that only you can provide. Not motivated by selfish ambition, but motivated by God-centered humility, by meekness. Don't miss this if you haven't got it already. Wisdom from God produces humility. It produces meekness. But wisdom from the world is driven by and produces pride. It's about me. So my challenge, simple this morning, to each of us, We need to humble ourselves before God. We need to go before Him. We need to admit to God, to confess to God. We can't do this on our own. We need to to tell Him that our, our hearts and our minds are filled with this worldly, demonic wisdom because that's what we're surrounded by. That's in our DNA. To be selfish. To look out for number one. You need to admit that to God and confess that. To say, I can't do anything about that. It's, it's built into me. Whatever you're facing in life, you need what God can only give. You need the meekness of wisdom and you need to ask Him for that. This is what we need to live the humble servant life. The humble and servant life that God has called us to be.
This is what we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. It's wisdom from above. Ask God to deliver us from the demonic wisdom of the world. It's all around us. It's natural. Without the Holy Spirit, its influence is impossible to escape. Ask God to replace the wisdom of the world with His wisdom. Wisdom that comes only from Him. Wisdom that only comes to those who have faith. Wisdom that's seen in our good conduct and in how we live. Wisdom that works not for self, but for the glory of God and for the good of others. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you that you, that you desire to deliver us from this worldly wisdom that is all around us. You desire to deliver us from ourself, from our own selfish ambitions, from our bitter jealousy. And, and you desire to fill us with yourself, with your spirit that's pure, that's gentle, that's full of mercy and compassion, that produces good fruits, all of these things, Father. You desire to fill us with your wisdom. Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for my brothers and sisters here that we, in this moment, will receive the wisdom from God, wisdom that acts, wisdom that's humble before you. Today, in this moment, we would receive that, Lord. But, but that would become a regular part of our life, coming before you, asking for and receiving wisdom that is so different from what this world has to offer. Change us, transform us by the power of your Spirit. In Christ's name, amen.